Hi, everyone. Before we start the show, I just want to let you know that if you enjoy the Dare Daniel podcast, if you like the work we're doing here, you can help us grow the show by making a donation through the Dare Daniel website. Your generous contributions will help offset the cost of producing the show and will also enable long-term projects. You can make a one-time payment or set up a monthly subscription. Any amount helps, and it's really greatly appreciated. Thanks a lot, and here's the show. Gods, you're listening to the Dare Daniel podcast, where you send us your most sinister movie dares, and we suffer the consequences for your amusement. I'm Corky McDonald, and please, please, brothers and sisters, <laughs> we want peace. And with me, as always, is Daniel Barnes, a film critic for the Sacramento News and Review, and a member of the San Francisco Film Critic Circle. Hi, everyone. As Corky said, on this show, we do your dirty work by watching the most unwatchable movies you can imagine, and then we review and rate them on our unique system. We give a run-of-the-mill bad film a dare, double dare goes to the truly atrocious movies, and we reserve the reverse dare for a despised movie that we think is actually pretty good. Today on the podcast, we are going to try our damnedest to review the 2017 Chinese-produced action film, China Salesman, featuring, yeah, Mike Tyson and Steven Seagal. But before we get started, Daniel is going to tell us about the beer we'll be drinking during the show. So today we have a beer from Maui Brewing Company, uh, from Hawaii, obviously. It is their coconut haiwa porter, described as a robust dark ale with hand-toasted coconut and hints of mocha. And that pretty well describes it. It's about 6%, so it's not too heavy, but it does have a really nice uh, sweet coconut and coffee sort of taste, a little bit of chocolate in there, but it's not too sweet like a candy bar. It's it's fairly restrained and, and nice drinkable beer. It's not milkshakey. No. Today's dare came to us from frequent dare and listener Matthew Doherty. He wrote to us, scrolling through the upcoming tab in the Redbox app, and this gem of a movie pops up. The cover alone is worth a peek. Mike Tyson and Steven Seagal in an action movie set in North Africa go up against a young IT engineer? Sign me up. Our abridged IMDb synopsis, I am motherfucking Daniel Barnes. Yan Jin is a young Chinese IT engineer who volunteers to go to North Africa and help the company he works for to win a competition. <laughs> Yan has discovered a conspiracy, and he is the only one who can stop it. Uh, and that just is the tip of the iceberg, baby. <laughs> that describes half of one scene. Uh, I wish I could take credit for writing like that. Uh, yeah, so China Salesman actually stars Dong Zhui Li as badass IT guy turned telecoms contract negotiator Yan Zhan. But it is most notable for its co-stars, Treasonous Dogs, Mike Tyson, and Steven Seagal. Uh, it was not released in American theaters, mainly because it is literal state-sponsored Chinese propaganda. <laughs> yes. So there are no domestic box office numbers, but China Salesman even bombed with its presumed target audience, grossing $1.5 million in China against a budget of $20 million. The film opened in eighth place at the Chinese box office on June 16th, 2018. Top films at the Chinese box office that week. Some exotic titles. Alien Covenant, The Mummy, Wonder Woman, Pirates of the Caribbean. Same shit we're watching here. It's China, not Mars. Uh, but I think the real point here, Quirky, uh, to quote Mira Sorvino yes. from a film called Exposed, mm -hmm. nobody likes you, China salesman. <laughs> uh, because when the film was finally released on North American VOD in August, critics gave it a 7 on Rotten Tomatoes and a 14 on Metacritic. 
Noel Murray in the Los Angeles Times wrote, quote, the woodenness of Chinese salesmen, coupled with the general oddness of a two-fisted adventure yarn about hyper-aggressive telecom companies, gives this movie some weird cinema appeal. But if you can't tolerate stinky cheese, leave this one on the shelf. Uh, I also found an article uh, from November 17, when I think the film was still being shot, uh, in Hollywood Reporter. It was written by Alex Rittman. Uh, It says, quote, working with Tyson, not exactly a classically trained actor, didn't come without its hurdles with Tan having to shoot the film chronologically so he could get into his role. This is first time (laughs) writer-director Tan Bing. Uh, saying that he shot the film chronologically so that Tyson could get into his role. Tan Bing was quoted as saying, but it was a very special experience for him. He was very moved by the process. Quirky brings me to my question. Were you moved by the process? Mm. Was this film a very special experience for you? And most importantly, could you tolerate the stinky cheese? I was bowel moved by this process. I mean, if you want to talk about movements, that's what this movie is. (laughs) I was watching this with my friend David Paul. Hey, David Paul, what's up? DP. And, and we were he was he was saying the the title of this film should be what? Yeah. <laughs> Cuz that's what you would say over and over like what? What is happening? Why are you there? How get, are you this? To get what the is pulse that? of this movie, ima- imagine as me and Daniel were just having this conversation, we cut to like seven different other conversations <laughs> having nothing to do with us. Several of them happening in slow motion. In different languages. Yes. And you would get the pace of this movie. Absolutely. You would get an idea. In terms of stinky cheese, uh, my wife loves to tell a story about when we first started dating and we went to like a fancy French restaurant. Yeah. And she ordered a plate of like stinky French cheeses and I put one in my mouth and... I spit it out and grabbed a piece of bread and wiped my tongue <laughs> to get the cheese flavor off of my tongue. I wanted to take an entire loaf of bread and rub it on my brain after this movie to get the taste of it off. Yeah, it was yeah. just so insane, but it's also completely amazing. So maybe we should get right into it because go, as I was man. telling you before the show, I have taken more notes for this movie than any movie we have ever done. Absolutely. And this is like the 30th movie, I think. I stopped taking notes like the third of the the last third of the way and I'm still at 6 pages. <laughs> Fucking crazy. So the craziness starts right away because right away you start seeing a bunch of production company logos. You know how every indie movie nowadays it's like it's 10 of those yes. production company like uh, logos or their moving images or whatever. You have are. the fairly recognizable ones up top, like you'll see a kid running off a dock, jumping into water, <laughs> and then they start going to like a planet circling, and then maybe there's a microscope, whatever. <laughs> whatever. You start not recognizing like, this one. I'm it? not recognizing any of. But them. one of them right away basically says this was produced by the Chinese government. Yes, which is amazing. So it starts out. We get uh, this. The credits start. Yeah, we get. 16 media companies, 16 various media companies that helped produce this movie. Then there is a list of, just a list of names, eight producers, seven co-producers, 10 general executive producers, five executive producers, nine associate producers, six co-producers, nine co-executive producers, 10 co-associate producers, one line producer, one more producer, also two distributors and two distributor directors. 66 producers and four distributors before the title of the film comes up. Fucking bananas. <laughs> Fucking bananas. One of those production companies misspells their own name on their logo. It's supposed to be Golden God. They call it Gloden God. Gloden God, Gloden God Media Company. 
We should add, this is based on a true story. This, this movie, quote, this movie is based on a true story comes up after the title in China Salesman. <laughs> That seems wrong <laughs> in a lot of ways. How, when ending, we get into it, you'll the see. The ending alone, we would know this story without this like movie. We would know if that happened. <laughs> oh, and what's amazing about this movie, yeah, Mike Tyson is in it. Steven Seagal is in it. Their horribleness is like the third or fourth most amazing thing about this Barely movie. Barely even registers. It's like you're, at the end, you're like, wow, that should have been the craziest thing about this movie. <laughs> So anyway, we jump right into it. The film is China Salesman. Right away, there's a voiceover. We are totally lost. Yes. Totally lost. You start lost. You're just, and the, the filmmaking is edit, 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 cut, 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 cut. There's moving camera, there's static camera, there's a crane. There's every kind of filmmaking style is thrown in there. The voiceover says, quote, the most chaotic country in Africa developing itself. I don't know that we ever got a name for the country. Nope. It's just sort of an unnamed country. Sometimes people seem to refer to it as Sudan. It's generally just kind of an unnamed, anonymous African country. There's Bedouin soldiers. There's also the Tunisian government comes and arrests somebody. There's Muslims. So it's just Africa as a country. Yes. The continent oh. of Africa. We'll get into the Tunisian government, Quirky. Don't you worry about this. Okay, so... So this guy who's narrating, this is Yan Jan. Yeah. He was used to be an IT guy. He's now in part of the global telecoms negotiation because apparently that's the next step from IT guy. <laughs> to multi-million ne- dollar deals <laughs> done internationally. Negotiating telecoms contracts with developing African nations. You set up our local land network. Why don't you go <laughs> ahead? Like, you're great at fixing the printer. <laughs> Whatever it jams, you're right on it, man. The toner, it's always there. We want you on this African telecoms thing. I want to see an IT guy go to one of those multi-billion dollar meetings and be like, uh, did you try turning it on and off? <laughs> He's also constantly referred to as China salesman. Yes, right. Everyone is just like, ha, China salesman. Anybody then, who's not Chinese calls him China salesman. He's China salesman, yeah. So he's a fucking IT guy. I mean, that's, he's just a fucking IT guy. There's also, he represents this Chinese telecoms company, which DH. is DH. They're the little guy in here. MTM is the big guy. The Europeans. They're the, the well, the West. Okay. Because in, this is what's so fascinating about this movie, is that in the same way that a Western propaganda movie from like the 80s or something it would just like russia china would all just be one kind of uh, amorphous east yeah the west is just the west that's true that's all north america and all of europe is just the west yeah mtm is supposed to represent all telecoms companies um but they're the big guys in this and they're represented by an evil french guy yeah (laughs) who's played by i think a swedish guy yeah, exactly. Because the French woman's definitely played yeah. by a Swedish woman. Every person's voice is dubbed in this. And not dubbed exactly to what they're saying Oh, either. no, no, no. And there's a lot of times where you can see they, they purposefully shot an over-the-shoulder shot where you can't see someone's face, but you can just see their jaw moving, yeah. and they're just like, we're just going to put whatever in there. But other times, they just show you the whole mouth moving, <laughs> saying different words saying, than the words that are being or played. Or not saying any words. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So we have this uh, Yinjin and his Chinese uh, assistant. Yeah. They're going through on camels. Although through. it seems sort of like he's more her assistant. Like he's kind of the new guy. She's never really fleshed out at all. No, she's just there. She's a girl Friday. She's just there to be there. And so we have several 
cuts it hop back around there's a white couple driving in a car yeah and this man sneers the man is driving <laughs> the woman is riding that's michael and Susanna. the man sneers every line of dialogue like china salesman yeah <laughs> That's Every line of dialogue is delivered like that. There's also the blonde woman who... Susanna. Susanna, who wears all white. Basically, no one changes costume for like the first about four-fifths of this movie. Michael does several costume changes, but every suit is a full... It's the same. It's he like looks they like just Bill Murray and Rushmore. The suit, they yes. just put it back his on. His tie matches his suit. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're introduced to Steven Seagal here. Yeah. Who I have no idea who he even is. He's sort of like an ex mercenary who is now a bar owner, but he's still kind of in league with evilness. It's almost like his bar is supposed to be like Rick's. You know, I totally right. It's supposed to be like Rick's, and he's supposed to be like Rick because he's like ex military, and he he he's a soldier of fortune, but he 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 wants to work for the good guys. He works in the gray area. Yeah, exactly. But you can see that he's leaning towards the side. He's doing a deal for guns. He's trading guns for water. So he's supposed to be. He's like a good guy. Is that what that is? Yes. And he he dips his finger in the water (laughs) barrel and then tastes it like a drug deal. (laughs) This is good stuff. The hydrogen and oxygen have perfectly bonded in this. You got two hydrogen. One oxygen, just like I like it. He's got his chemist there to test, like on a drug deal. <laughs> I was not even sure what that was because there's a whole thing about drinking in this movie too, about the oh, yeah. immorality that comes along with drinking. No, but it was supposed to be he's importing fresh water because he's a good guy. Okay, got it. <laughs> uh, we should talk about Seagal's hair. It is <laughs> what? A, that's a natural color of black. <laughs> it is a natural color. That color of black exists of piano in nature. Key black, absolutely, oh my. and his. Goatee. His goatee, which is like crooked, it looks like it's a fake that he's crookedly stuck onto his face. And he's he has a mix of spray hair and fake hair. And the yellow goggles that he wears all uh, the time, the yellow sunglasses. And he looks like he can barely move. Mike Tyson looks like he could probably still get in a ring and fight someone and, and be semi-credible. But yeah. Steven Seagal looks like he, he likes a, a puppeteer is moving him from behind. Also at this bar is Mike Tyson. He plays Kaba. Kaba. Uh, African warrior. I mean, I guess he's an African warlord, right? He's barely African. I will say, for a movie produced movie. by the Chinese government, the Chinese come off as very soft on warlords and female genital mutilators. Oh, that's right. They I come off about that scene. real soft, like disturbingly, and we'll get into it, disturbingly soft. Mike Tyson's African accent is just clipped dialogue. You cannot come to yeah. Africa. He says Africa like Africa. He's trying to do an accent sometimes and then sometimes not. Sometimes it's it just it leaves crazily him. inconsistent. It's it's clip dialogue and no contractions. You There's cannot. A, yeah. So he plays this sort of displaced African warlord who's just thinking about his tribe. And it's this country, again, it's an unnamed country that was racked by war and is now starting to become a developing nation, or sort of trying to. It's in a civil war state, yeah. I think. Yeah, and, and Kaba's people have been kind of completely displaced, and he's lost power. But this evil French guy is recruiting him to kind of disrupt this global telecoms conference. Yeah. Uh, that is fucking... <laughs> It's, it's so fucking crazy. <laughs> Which is why the Chinese salesmen and MTM, that's why everyone's in the country, because they're trying to bid on building the telecoms this infrastructure for this African nation. Explaining why everybody's there does not I'm help. explaining it more than the movie does, yes. but yes, you, you kind of gather it <laughs> through context pretty much. But there's a whole thing where they want to force 
Kaba to drink alcohol yeah. to kind of show that he's with them. And he refuses because he says it's against his religion. And this starts a whole fight scene right. in the bar. Right. Uh, and Tyson's big moves, not surprisingly, is punching people. His fists, his two fists. He has a lot of boxing style. He's getting down low. He's punching. Steven Seagal finally gets involved in the fight, and this is where it just gets so fucking, I mean, it looks bad. So, like, in in a lot of nice martial arts action movies from from China, you have different styles, different techniques. Uh Tyson's are obviously his two fists. He's a fist fighter, right? Everything is with his fist. Seagal's? Is editing and stunt doubles <laughs> exactly. from behind. That's all. He you is s- entirely shot either in close-ups or inserts. All you see is Steven Seagal do a thing with his arms where he kind of floats them. He'll float his arms Gets a in a pose, and then it's cuts to somebody else fighting. <laughs> it's so fucking crazy. And this fight goes all through this bar, destroying this bar. Like, everybody has to destroy bottles yes. before they even punch. He just keeps punching bottles over <laughs> and over. He's a duck, punched bottles. Duck, punched bottles. Like... And the fight starts because not only because they want him to drink alcohol, because when he doesn't drink, they grab a mug, give it to the barman, and he pisses in it. A second, like a second after he drops his pants, they come back with like a gigantically full, like <laughs> beer stein full of urine. <laughs> There's a head on it. There's like foam head on it. <laughs> and he refuses to drink it. This starts the fight. And then finally, the capper to the fight is that uh, Tyson punches out Seagal and says, Motherfucker, you drink piss. <laughs> and then leaves with the evil French guy who is the one who was forcing him to drink piss in the first place. Right. It's all. <laughs> now we are at a some big time meeting. It's supposed to be some big time meeting oh. between the telecommunications. It, this has this is where we have the European couple, the Chinese couple, the African leader. I yeah. think his name's Omar. Yeah, General Omar, General who is the Omar. leader of this nation. We should uh, we should say, and this is incredibly confusing, but Susanna, the blonde, is technically not with one of the telecoms companies. She's with sort of like an international sort of thing. I fucking don't know, but she's supposed to be her her role is supposed to be to sort of facilitate the negotiations yeah. and not to take sides, but she's clearly siding with MTM. So this is supposed to be like this big shit meeting of all these people sitting down in this boardroom and this Chinese woman, everybody's like in suits and power business. The Chinese woman's like in a denim top. <laughs> she's severely underdressed. Really? But it's supposed to be sort of a David and Goliath thing because MTM is going to come in and they're just going to blow everyone away. And this little pissant Chinese telecoms company feels like they're not even being fairly considered in the negotiations. Yan Jian, through some tricky uh, wordplay or some... He always has the right answer. Yeah. Yan Jian, through some kind of... Some kind of tricky wordplay or argument convinces everyone that the standard of the negotiations for the telecoms should be a 3G network right. for this developing nation. They somehow get it to be like, and the French guy for no reason at all is just like, yeah, okay, let's do that. Even though our our, our technology blows you away, let's go to a retrograde techno- 3G technology. So they But somehow- he even delivers that line sinisterly. Oh yeah, like, he's just like, yes, that's part of my evil I plan, I guess. I think that guy is correct. <laughs> let's go with him what a great idea uh and the french guy has a a conversation with the the blonde woman Susanna. yeah uh in which this movie is so confusing (laughs) it is but essentially they're kind of you kind of get the idea that they're in cahoots together somewhat i mean she's i thought they were together see i thought Susanna was with michael 
as part of not as part of his overall evil plan. I think she was just on his side to get MTM to develop this. Uh, it's fucking bananas. Telecoms dude. It, it's never fleshed out. But, but she says, go ahead. quote about the Shiny Salem, and she says, "I'm not upset with him. I just can't figure him out." <laughs> and you're just like, it's so weird because he is. He has no charisma. He's not interesting at all. He just comes in and he will like say words and people will be like, that's amazing. Like, yeah. that's brilliant. But I love that she's had one meeting with the guy and was like, oh, I just can't figure him out. Like, <laughs> like I know. okay, you just met the fucking guy. <laughs> and in between that, though, there's been like seven other shots of shit happening. Oh, and they're, ta- they're that- always talking about like connection times and they're talking about setting up a network. This movie is all about just setting up an internet network. It really like it really is just about like things. But you have no idea what's happening because anytime he needs to figure something out, it just shows him typing and then going, oh, I've got a great idea. Yeah. Or just rearranging cables or something yep. like that. There's no no sense of like, wait, what did, what did he do? And then in between while he's doing that, it'll cut to Mike Tyson taking pictures of him doing it. Yeah, because Kaba, the warlord general, his specialty is apparently surveillance. <laughs> Yeah, the amazing thing is that Kaba can, uh, throughout the movie, can blend in anywhere. <laughs> like, Mike Tyson is the least blend inable person alive. He has facial tattoos. Wait. He's really recognizable. We'll get to that at the end when they're dressed like the military men at the meeting. <laughs> so, this movie is full of people who do not speak English as their first language. And they're all speaking English in these scenes. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm literally, whole scenes full of dozen people who do not speak English yeah. as their first language. And that includes English. Tyson and Seagal. <laughs> yes, that includes Tyson. Because I was going to say, Seagal sounds like he's trying to do that for his character. <laughs> <laughs> you thought that was an actor choice? Yes. Okay. I thought it was his choice to take a lot of prescriptions. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have the the classic, this is the jammer you wanted scene. Because that line of dialogue is uttered, then it cuts away. <laughs> Oh, my favorite fucking part of this movie is when you cut back to Steven Seagal in the back room of his bar. Uh-huh. He's got this like gal Friday who's always helping him out. Really nice looking yeah. woman. And uh, it, that he treats, of course, like, thanks, sugar. He's like yeah, Jim yeah. Belushi. Um, <laughs> at his desk where he's typing on his computer, as if Steven Seagal has ever used a computer, there's a little picture of himself mm. in a frame on his desk <laughs> in a sniper pose. <laughs> yes. Somebody got a shot of him, like an Olin Mills-style family portrait shot of him. he was about to take somebody out. (laughs) It's like an action shot. And he frames and puts on his desk for him to look at. (laughs) How else would we have known he's ex-military? Oh, fuck. Uh, Yeah, this movie is so clumsy about about plot exposition. It's insane. Yeah, he he takes a call from Michael. And we should say, Steven Seagal is named Louder. Yeah. Which I think was just... That's what they all shouted at him for his dialogue. Louder. <laughs> He's like, that's, that's my name. That's what I want to be called. Louder. So Mike, he takes a call from Michael, the evil French European guy. guy yeah, French guy. Friend. And he says, uh, so what do you want? And he tells him what he wants him to steal. <laughs> What's that got to do with me? And he says something like, just go get it. All right. <laughs> that's, that's how that deal is done. He gives him one bit of grief. Just go get it. Okay, consider it done. <laughs> so now Jan John and Susanna ride out into the desert together to hook up something to a, a cell tower. It's not set up that they were going to do this. It's no, nothing. It's just they're just out in the desert. Driving. Uh, and again, remember this movie is Chinese propaganda, and he actually brags about how Chinese workers do unpaid overtime for free. 
Really? Yes. <laughs> because they love their company so much. He's bragging about this. It's like, there's a selling point. <laughs> Sweatshops exist. Yeah, slave labor, we got it. it. The music is swelling so loud as they're just driving, having this conversation. And yep. then when it's her turn to talk, she starts talking. They turn her sound down. And then the <laughs> scene, I swear to God, the scene just cuts away in the middle of her dialogue. Yeah. She doesn't finish what she's saying. Like the movie was like, I'm tired. Whatever. <laughs> We're going to the next scene. Through a very confusing series of edits, she sees something and runs off, and he's sort of like, where'd you go, where'd you go? Suddenly, she is in the middle of a female circumcision ceremony. They're leaning over her with a knife, and they're about to start doing it as she runs in and kind of starts screaming. Yan John, she's being held back by all the elders and stuff, all the women are screaming. Yan John drives in with the truck, picks her up, and they grab the girl. Yeah. And... Kidnap her from her family. That's what I wrote. I wrote they, they kidnap a child? They just straight up kidnap a child. So this starts like a chase where these guys get on horseback, start chasing this truck. Yeah. Uh, John is in the back with the girl. He gets lassoed and yanked out of the truck. <laughs> the horses still chase the truck, which even when it gets to a straightaway portion, cannot outrun men on horseback. <laughs> 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 The horses can't go that fast, Corky. She's in a literal truck that could go probably 80 miles an hour. There's a freeway and the horses and like, are still keeping up. This goes on for several minutes and the horses are like right on her tail the entire There's time. There's a real shot of a horse eating shit yes. with a guy on the back of it. Yeah. So now we find out that she rushes the child to a hospital and Yinjin is tied up in the middle of this in the middle of this tribe. Yeah, he's been kind of hogtied and uh, is being held by the tribe. The horsemen come to the hospital. The doctors are like, oh, no, this is cool. It's just, quote, a small incision. Yeah. And then the sheik runs in and it sort of tends to the girl very tenderly. And is like, oh, are you okay? Okay. And it's this whole thing of like, female circumcision is not a big deal. Small incision. She's fine. Look, her parents love her. I didn't get what happened. So the movie was saying that the Europeans are freaking out about that. Yes. And Africans and Chinese people. Yes. Okay. Yes. I, wow. That's fucked up. Yeah. That is fucked up. Well, there's a lot of fucked up stuff in this movie. The other thing about that scene was I think that was two different scenes because the scene where he's on the tower where she goes around to the cliffs, he's wearing like khaki pants and a white top. And then when he runs into the kidnap the girl, he's wearing a full suit. Like he stopped and changed and put on his super China salesman suit yeah. and ran in and saved the, ch- the child. So Yanjan is still held by the tribe. Trust up. But then the next morning, this is so delivered in such a weird way. The next morning, his partner has picked him up, and they're driving away. And her first line to him, even though he's in the car with her at this point, she goes, "You survived." <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck do you think? like? Unless that's a corpse you're talking to, yeah, he did. Uh, and she kind of, he, in in retrospect, tells him the story of what happened, which was apparently that the village elders have some very strong alcohol used as some sort of a tribal ritual or something that they gave to him and he drank the entire thing. And because that showed he's a warrior that they let him go. Yeah. He drank a whole bottle of it. Yeah. And passed out. Yeah. Wow. Then we have the classic goat milk scene. Because it's a scene of somebody saying, I want some goat milk. He just goes to get goat milk. Okay. And then that's it. Oh, it kind of comes back, but not really. Yeah. We talked about it longer than that scene exists in this movie. <laughs> he just was like, but there's a whole long thing of him walking up with a satchel, like 10 or 15 seconds of him walking up. And then it's just like, can I get some goat milk? And the scene. <laughs> like, why was that important? Were Another there, telecoms conference. There's a giant risk 
board yes. in the middle of these desks. <laughs> so you're at a multi-billion dollar telecoms conference between the West, yeah. the East, and Africa. Everybody's working off computers from 1998. Exactly. All They tried to make it, they're like, okay, just put a computer on its side, put wires <laughs> into the back of it. Put a different company's laptop on top of it. It's fucking ridiculous. So they're going to do their 3G presentation. In the middle of it, they realize that they're being jammed. He says the jammer is in the a room. jammer. Uh, so there isn't working right. So at which point, he just leans over the computer, adjusts a few wires, <laughs> and it works again. And they can do their presentation. Their presentation to win the contract to build the entire telecoms network in this new African nation. This is like millions, billions of dollars. Huge contract. Their presentation is to show an image, a very poorly pixelated image of an elephant yeah. and a poorly pixelated image of a snake. And then they go back and forth to each other saying, hello, Mr. Elephant. Hello, Mrs. Cobra. And they go on like this for a few minutes just speaking in children's voice while their little pixelated images move. Yeah. And they finish that and then very smugly put it down and turn to them like, we fucking nailed that. <laughs> they are so smug when they turn around. They have such a satisfied look on their face. And it's like, what did you just do? Yeah, I know. And the only way we know that they had to turn that thing around was because we got a shot of Susanna with a, a checklist. It was like a check this box checklist. No. Yes no, and no, no. And she was marking no's all the way down. <laughs> But yeah, once they did the Mrs. Cobra and Mrs. Elephant thing, it was like, whoa, yikes. That shut her up. Yeah. So then as soon as they're about to uh, get told that they were, they turn this thing around or get denied, whatever, a guy from Florida comes in who is supposed to be an African warrior and tells everybody they're and arrests Yun Jin. Yes. Yun Jin is just suddenly arrested for possession of alcohol, which this, is in the satchel where he got goat's milk. This man says, See, it all comes full in circle. a pure African dialogue, you <laughs> are coming with us for breaking our nation's laws. <laughs> Just as he's being pulled away, Just though, as he's being pulled away. Suddenly, soldiers storm the building. CGI explosions are going off everywhere. They're shooting up the whole place. They just start shooting up all of the computers in the place. No, but they're murdering people, too. They're shooting people. They're killing well. some people, but yeah. they're mostly killing computers and motherboards and things like that. One guy even runs into an office and, like, shoots a monitor. And then stomps on the keyboard. The <laughs> kid falls like, down. That did nothing. <laughs> that did nothing. This is supposed That's to signal that now are. civil war is happening all throughout yeah, wherever and we're Yeah, Kaba is the one who is sort of fomenting it. He's Mike Tyson. Yeah, Kaba. That's yeah. Mike Tyson. And... I couldn't really figure this out. So there's a, a civil war between the North and the South. Yeah. Okay. I don't, Kaba is neither. No, he's a Bedouin. But he's attacking, trying to get, m make... Good, good luck, man. Yes. Good fucking luck. Something is happening that will make things happen. So then an obvious Frenchman named Andy Nelson is standing outside reporting. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he, this, and, hold, and he this says, attack he says, there's chaos going on right behind this. They've started a riot. Yeah. A Chiron underneath the reporter says, "The civil war is unavoidable," which are literally the words he says. <laughs> he the civil war is unavoidable. Andy Nelson reporting. He's standing placid and unbreakable as shit is just popping off right behind him. Later, we also hear Andy on the radio. His take on it. Civil war is unavoidable. <laughs> he literally says the same thing. They hear a radio report later. <laughs> Andy comes back again after that. I, we'll bring it up. Oh, Andy. Andy Nelson, the Frenchman. Pulitzer. 
Pulitzer. So now we find out that Tyson and Michael are in cahoots because we cut back to the boardroom. Yeah. They kind of have a basically plot exposition conversation about what's happening. Uh, Where Tyson says, people are tired of war. This is literally after he stormed a place and started killing everybody. He's like, no more, no more. We find out that the French guy, his real plan is not telecom. What? It's oil and minerals. And so he's fomenting civil war because that will get oil and minerals. <laughs> and he's, the man who sneers every d- bit of dialogue is actually evil in this movie, guys. I don't know if you picked that off. <laughs> Their conversation is overheard by a guy who was just in the stall. <laughs> My, <laughs> Philip, was, the jammer guy. One of the, yes, he's the jammer. <laughs> like he was in there shitting while the, the whole takedown happened. What is going on out there with those negotiations? He hears this whole thing uh, with Michael, the evil Frenchman, and he decides, to, he actually yells at him, I'll expose you. I'll tell you. Listen, you know what? I'm not an expert on global telecoms negotiations. Here's a thought. Yeah. If you're going to expose someone, don't tell them you're going to expose them. Especially if he's standing there with an African warlord who's hey, armed to the teeth. He's in the cahoots with the guy who just murdered a bunch of people. You're in a private space. No one's around. Play your you, cards a little closer to the vest. A little, be a little vague about bluff. it. Bluff. Bluff a bluff little. Bluff a little. You helped him jam the conference. You know duplicity. <laughs> yeah, and obviously Michael just shoots him. He yells, I'll expose you. And it's just, he's about to expose him, grabs a gun, shoots him. At which point, Kaba says, destroy them all. And they just basically go out shooting up all of the telecoms boxes around the, the around the nation. Their goal is essentially to cut off all communication. Yeah. So you've had two invasions storm this meeting of people shooting it up and murdering. Yeah. We cut back, and all the people are still just sitting around at this meeting, like back at their desks. They've like actually trying to rearranged the furniture. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like it seems to be like ten minutes later. Like it's a different day, and they're like, "Fuck it, just set the tables up this way. We can shoot it." Yeah, so like the tank storms the meeting, all the all of Tyson's men are killed. This new general debriefs uh, all the hostages. Um, China salesman just says a bunch of gibberish, yeah. and, and people are like, "That's brilliant!" Right? Put, he, put he, this plan into action. He whatever always it is, has the plan, but whatever it never is explained what the damn plan is. And this is where I don't want to harp on this too much, uh, but. Everybody's in ESL. Everybody is English a second language, and they all speak to each other in English. Yeah. I can't hear people speak to me in English and always be like, oh, I understand exactly what you... How do they know what each other is saying? No one's like, what? (laughs) What the hell was that? (laughs) Let me get that again. But this starts several long... A long sequence of the movie that is literally just about trying to get cell phone service. A phone call becomes important some. Somehow. A phone call between the North and the South, which uh, they point out in this meeting right after the King Storms that you could just send a telegram. <laughs> like, send a telegram and have the North guy from the North go, hey, what? not our bad. That was Kaba. Yeah. South goes, okay, I get it. No, no big deal. Peace again. No more civil war. But it, they're like, no, it's important that the nation hear their voices. Yeah. So they need to go set up cell phone service. Meanwhile, like again, Kava's men are just out there slaughtering everyone. A civil war is about to erupt. There's riots throughout the city. People are dying all over the place for this whole thought of like a symbolic gesture of people <laughs> needing to hear it. As it turns out, no one actually hears it. So whatever. Anyway. So Yunjin and Suzanne and General Omar have to go out to the northern border. 
Yeah. So they need to go out and fix the cell phone towers so that they, they can get a, a, a signal from the north to the south. There was a pretty good stunt in in all the rioting and, and chaos that's happening where an explosion happens on the top of a parking garage. Yeah. And a guy flies off cartwheels into some power lines, right. gets caught up, and then falls down to the ground. I thought that was a pretty good stunt. That was like, well, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Well, that's is that where Yan John falls off the tower? No, that's later. Yeah, okay. Where he falls 100 feet. Where he falls 100 feet onto his back. Okay. He gets up and walks away. So they're going out trying to repair this, these cell phone towers. Now, as this is happening, there's military men everywhere. Kaba has this amazing ability to just, wherever you're going to go, he shows up first and fires on you when you get there. For the, How does that happen with an entire army of people that he's marshalling and you're just in a truck? Yeah. No idea. For the next 45 minutes of the movie, Tyson's just sitting at a seat in a tank. And, and it's not even clear that it's a tank. No, it's I was not. like, we were arguing, like, where is he? Yeah. I is was he wondering. in a room? Is he in a tank? Eventually, it's like, oh, he's in a tank. Yeah, because he, he fires on the tower. Yeah. But now he's like a real Rommel out there. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but the, like I said, they're, they're running through all of this, uh, all these ex- explosions, all of these firefights. It's all bloodless, kind of PG-13 type stuff. Yeah. But it's sort of like, you know how in movies, it's sort of a, a cliche to quip and flirt while you're in the middle of an action scene where people are just getting killed all over the place and there's guns and bullets whizzing past Cut your head and all this kind of exactly yeah. yeah so and this is the kind of movie where instead of quipping and flirting during the action scene they argue about unfair bidding practices in <laughs> global telecoms uh, industry <laughs> it's one of those movies it's one of those movies <laughs> They fix the first tower, and then on to the second tower, they get caught up by some pin- rebels who haven't pinned down. Yeah. And this is where we see more Chinese propaganda, because they're like, uh, we have to dress like UN soldiers, or we, uh, Red Cross symbol, which is them telling you, like, oh, that'll get you in anywhere. You can do any kind of nefarious business, right, as long right. as you just cloak yourself in the UN. Exactly. But the, uh, Yun Jin has the idea. He has a better idea. How about we wave a Chinese flag? Which he just happens to have carrying around with him yep. in a nice plastic little case. <laughs> so he's like, uh, the, the army men that they're with are like, no, don't, don't do that. That's not going to work. Uh, he decides, no, it is going to work. So he runs out with his flag. He's pinned behind a little tank, and he's trying to hold his flag. Susanna throws him a flagpole. She javelins. She does like a Revenge of the Nerds, like <laughs> javelin run and tosses him the flagpole. So as he puts it on the flagpole, just as he lifts it up, an explosion hits the tank that he's hiding behind. The yep. tank rolls off, so he's totally exposed. The dust clears to see the Chinese flag majestically Maj- waving in the music breeze. Music swells. Music swelling, heroic. Everyone sees that, and they are just awed. It's like the prisoners in Shawshank Redemption. Yes. When they hear classical music for the first time. It's like, oh my God, it's so beautiful. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't shoot at it. Now Susanna picks up the Susanna flag. Susanna is waving the flag like she's <laughs> Betsy fucking Ross. <laughs> So they're the truck now driving the truck. Of course, the flag is just whipping in the wind. It looks absolutely beautiful. They're driving around like Patton, just heroically. Everyone is cheering. They love it. Uh, The music just goes crazy. Everyone just loves China. And that ends with this amazing shot of the soldiers as they're looking off at the truck waving in slow motion <laughs> goodbye at the people they were just trying it's to totally murder. a mean joe green locker room moment it's, it's like so take this kids thank you brother yes i mean that scene is just bonkers it goes on for several minutes the music just hitting all those crescendos and the flag waving and it's all happening in slow motion and then it says we're heading to the third tower third and you're tower. like there's more of this shit that was just the second of many towers <laughs> 
but before they, just as they arrive at the tower, Kaba is there and he blows it up because he can just do that. This was the one competent bit of like uh, the one well-paced, well-conceived, well-executed sequence. sequence. Of, yes. uh, cutting between two different scenes. Yes. Because yeah, this movie does not do that very no. well. Yes, yeah, so it's notable when it Susanna does. is in an all-white outfit. The entire time. It's, and it never gets dirty. She's in the middle of no. desert Pristine dust. white. Pristine white. Um, so yeah, the tower blows up and this starts a whole long fight. Um, firefight everywhere. Kaba's men are attacking. You and Jin, while running around, literally gets run over by a truck. Yes. Pops right up. <laughs> Pops right up. He is fine. He actually then carries the woman in white, carries Susanna to safety. It seems as though he's about to give up. He's communicating with the good general. General Omar. No, not Omar, the other guy. General Omar's military yes. leader. Yeah, who is also a general, I guess. Yeah, um, I guess. That's confusing. <laughs> <laughs> He's communicating with him. The general starts shouting in the middle of the desert, like, don't give up. Yes. Don't give up, China salesman. Like, this is what he really cares about, is China salesman <laughs> not losing his faith in this telecoms negotiation. At which point, Kaba's like, oh, there's a guy on the other side screaming. I'll shoot him with a gun. And uh -huh. he does. And the man dies, screaming for China salesman to not lose faith. So China salesman <laughs> runs off with Susanna, carries her away to safety, and they're enveloped by a sandstorm. A CGI sandstorm. C just whooshes right in. in over like half a second. Whatever city it is. Jin knows that he can take advantage of the CGI sandstorm. Of course. Apparently CGI sandstorms affect the ionosphere to manipulate 3G signals. This will boost the signals about. A sandstorm will boost the signal. I started wondering if his name was Yun Jin Gilchrist because he was giving Bradley Cooper from Aloha a run for his <laughs> hacking tra sound transducing he knew money. Everything about everything. You're just like you were filling toner a few weeks ago. Asshole. The whole movie, everybody sounds like Gennady Golovkin. They all talk like big drama show. Then we have the classic Tyson canteen drinking shot where it's just a shot of him <laughs> drinking water from a canteen. <laughs> Cut away. China salesman tries to kind of make a deal with the woman in white in, in a way I thought was sort of shady and was sort of like, well, if I can do this, then you'll give me the contract, right? And you're just like, I thought you were against unfair bidding price. I mean, what the hell are you doing here? You're trying well, to Well, he was in this. IT last week. So exactly. He doesn't know. He doesn't know all the things. He, he actually does know all the things. He gets up on the tower. He's going to fix the fourth tower, I guess this is now. The tower blows up while he's on it because, yep. of course, Cabo's just there and fires on him. He falls 100 feet, at least 100 it's feet. It's at least 100 feet he falls. Onto the ground. On his back. Flat on his back. Flat on his on back. On sand, which is rocks <laughs> and dirt. It's really hard <laughs> to fall on. He gets up from this wall. If you think that that's going to stop you, Jin. He struggles to his feet, okay? <laughs> that's right. It did, it did delay not, him. It, it stunned him for momentarily. His fervor and love for China got him up. <laughs> he saw the flag in his mind. So now we get a, a bunch of interspersed cuts between all these different, like, Military men. Every scene has somebody banging on a table yeah. when they deliver their dialogue. Yes. We must do this. <laughs> so a UN black helicopter is able to evade. It's like the only thing that can evade Kaba firing on it. They actually land. And in just the most bizarrely dubbed scene, the guy just says, like, I can help, but I can't get involved in the war. Uh, so they help, like, kind of rebuild this network, which enables this peace call between the North and the South. And everything is fine. Um, <laughs> they set up this phone call, and then there's a reel-to-reel -reel recorder recording it. <laughs> Real mix of technologies in this country. 
I, I don't get it. It was such a phonetically delivered speech between the two yeah. factions. I don't get what was supposed to happen with that phone call. No idea, but it was just the North and the South talking fixed everything. It just, that was it. Boom, so, done. So instantly this reel-to-reel somehow translated to the nation Yes, that now there's peace. Yes, exactly. To celebrate peace, everybody starts firing their guns. Exactly, I know. <laughs> and everybody, I mean, literally, they were just murdering each other yeah. a second ago in these streets. Now they're all dancing with joy, jumping exactly, around. There are bodies to pick up. <laughs> it's like Some uh, people are probably wounded. Yeah. Like that miscommunication, like whether it prevented that civil war, it's going to start a different civil war, right? Fuck. Like I was just killing that guy. We get uh, Kaba, who now has been cornered, and the Sheik's men uh, capture him. Yeah. But the Sheik rides up just as they're about to kill him and saves his life because he decides that's it. No the, more. No more killing. No Peace. more killing. Which reminded me a lot of the scene in Revolution where Donald Sutherland, the pederast, is saved right after they murder <laughs> yeah. all of his soldiers. And yes. they're like, but now, yeah. now that we're down to just the pederast, yeah. that's enough killing, I think. This guy's responsible for all of this. This guy killed so many people. Two minutes ago, yeah. Murder this fuckhead. <laughs> that's right. Now, but now, that's enough. It's a new day. That's, you know, wait, one more? Or, no, that's enough. That's <laughs> enough. And we find out that that is his father. Shika Sayed is Kaba's father. What? Yeah, you didn't catch that? <laughs> what? Yes. What? That's. I thought that was why he uh, truly spared him. He calls him son. He's like, my son, you will learn. And he's like- But no, they're not. Yeah, no. that's his dad. No. That's his dad, dude. Quirky. That's his dad. That's his tribe he abandoned. Look, Rebecca Ferguson is alive. And Rebecca that is Ferguson is father. fucking dead in the snowman. And this is, that's his father. Look it up. Ah, okay. I'm, I don't blame you for missing it in this movie. Let's not get derailed, but you're wrong. I'm wrong. Everything's wrong. <laughs> this movie's the wrong. only person right is Yun Jin. Because he's now being called the courageous China salesman. <laughs> That's the one time they don't address him as just China salesman. They start calling him courageous China salesman. Or extraordinary China or salesman. Or badass China salesman. Badass China salesman. So we're back anyway, at the it doesn't bid. Kaba is yeah. exiled. He's sent off into the desert on a horse, and he's supposedly he's done. In the next scene, we see the China salesman is getting an award from the government. Yep. Uh, and that China has won the bid, and, and it seems like the music is crescendoing. And I was like, "Oh, this movie didn't take very long." I'm like, "This is kind of a short movie." Thank God, yes. this is awful. Then I was like, "Wait, there's 40 minutes left in this movie. There's 40 minutes. It's over, and there's 40 minutes in ca- left." In case you weren't aware that DH won the comp- won the bid, <laughs> there's a big screen behind on the presentation stage that says DH, the winning company. <laughs> <laughs> Steven Seagal re-enters the movie because Michael now, after calling the American general, calls him. He was out of the movie for like an hour. For an hour. Just wasn't there. And then he turns him down. Seagal now turns him down. (laughs) Why did he say yes before? Why did he say, yeah, consider it done? Now he's like, no, I don't care about you or your threats. I'm not doing it. Hangs up. End of scene. End of scene. Although we also do see more military pictures of himself on the wall. That's right. (laughs) Then there's a scene where Yinjin gets uh, accosted by... Black cloaked ninjas, ninjas, ninjas in suits, African ninjas, and Steven Seagal rescues him. Yeah, well, Steven Seagal in close-ups rescues him. Yeah, he's rescued by a biker who we can kind of see in a very weird close-up is uh, Seagal. It almost looks like the helmet was like CGI'd onto his face or something. <laughs> like they couldn't fit his head in a regulation helmet. 
but yeah, he's uh, attacked on the street by ninjas. He's taken away. The evil French guy shows up looking for the program. I don't know what he wants. Uh, the China salesman is recruited by another company, which yeah. is called LK. It was a business meeting. It was, I just wrote job offer question mark. Yeah, he got a job offer, but decided to turn it down because he wanted to stay with and Chinese help DH company. Yeah. Uh, company. It, it starts getting really psychotic now. So while he's at this des- meeting that's in somebody's house in the middle of the desert, which I think is at the Sheik's house. Sheik has Sayed, yeah. So it's at the Sheik's house. Ninjas attack the house. They kill the Sheik. China salesman gets a great, no! Michael is one of the ninjas. The, the European business guy is one of the ninjas. <laughs> like doing his own ninja work. insane. <laughs> and they're really sad for the guy who was in charge of the female genital mutilation tribe to die. I mean, That's it right. was really sad that he's gone. Jian, Yan Jian is wandering around in the desert trying to... Oh, fuck, yeah. Like, he survives the attack. The ninjas leave. He's wandering in the desert trying to just find safety or, or find something. He's making a phone call while he's doing it, and he actually says, release the 3G source code to show our transparency. That's how much Chinese people care about their company. <laughs> but while he's saying those words, because he's, he's, his mouth is just open as he's holding a phone to it, but dialogue is going yes. telling that. But he's they like, don't even worry about having him move his mouth during this dialogue. But he is literally on the verge of death yeah. in the desert yeah. after he... He says to release the 3G source code. He falls down a mountain and just rolls down it in slow motion. While it's inexplicably cut to Susanna, Susanna taking a bath. Bathing. <laughs> taking and a just bath. sort of pensively looking at herself in the mirror while rubbing her shoulders. There's a side boob shot. He gets... <laughs> he gets found by some tri... Or no, there's some tribal men. I just wrote this line. Hey, shut up. <laughs> Uh, we see Kaba now. We're back to Kaba. Yeah. yeah. He's working on some sort of a mine or something like that. He's out. doing construction. He's doing an honest job. He's doing an honest job out in the desert. He's, he's magic micing it. Uh, he's found by the evil French guy, and they are back in cahoots together. They go out and they find the Chinese salesman, and they capture him again. And they reveal their plan to basically... <sighs> I don't know what the fuck their plan is, but it's, it's to win some sort of a competition. Yep. Win some sort of... <laughs> which which Yunjin says emphatically, this is not competition, this is robbery. <laughs> like, you're not being truly competitive, and that's against the Chinese spirit. I know. He's their hostage, but he's like... This guy stole equipment. And as he's being dragged away, he yells, you will be punished! Yes. You will be punished! So there's a scene where now Michael is trying to hack the code. Kaba goes to throw Yunjin off the side of a boat, and this is where he reveals he killed your father. And he knows by the telltale cufflink. Ah, uh, okay. So he says... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that... He, he still has the cufflink. Just reaches down While he's like one hand. He's hanging off the real. side of a boat, <laughs> like, Titanic style. That's uh, in here somewhere. Hang on. Uh, hands him the cufflink. I can't, I'd never find my keys either. But he's tricked, Michael. He did not give him the actual code. He gave him a fake code. Yeah, Michael he's... comes out to find it. And Kaba tells him he he died. He's dead. Yeah. So he double crosses the Frenchman. There's an amazing line from Seagal. Oh my god! This is this is the last time we see Seagal, and it's the best go out line of all time. Ever, like a bunch of people are talking at the same time. The China salesman's talking. Everyone's talking. And Seagal says, "Hey, why don't you guys speak English?" Exit Steven Seagal, ladies and gentlemen. That's a wrap on Steve. <laughs> That's good. That's a wrap on Seagal. Thank you, Steven. Give so, him his Percocets. He's out. The Chinese team, and Suzanne is like kind of working along with the Chinese team at this point, right? And she's finally changed her outfit. 
Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, she finally changed out of it because she had the bath. Yeah. To get into this building, oh. they're stopped at the front desk and they're like... First Yin Jin is stopped. Yes. And they say, you need a certificate of authorization. To which Susanna walks up, not hearing any of the dialogue, goes, here's a certificate of identification. But Susanna, I think she calls her Susanna, not by her, like... Well, she says, like, she walks in without hearing it and says, you can f- waive the certificate of authorization. Yes. It's coming. Don't worry about it. And the woman's like... But Susanna, that is not company policy. To which enters another Chinese guy. Yeah, the guy who was in China who was sort of running the operation, who is always seen in China drinking. He's supposed to be kind of like the wacky best friend yeah. guy. And he comes in without hearing any of the dialogue. He just produces a, smugly produces a piece of paper. And they're like, oh, it's all good here now. Yeah. So Yan Jian decides that he is going to go against orders. They're all kind of going against orders at this point, but they're really, it's all to save China, so it's, it's for the, the greater good. He decides he's going to release the 3G source code to the public yeah. to show their transparency, and he essentially writes a manifesto, an email that fixes everything for some reason. There's narration of what he's writing in this thing. Yeah, which is all about like e- equality of the internet. And I was expecting to hear, ideas, which you is- see us as a jock, a nerd. A spaz, a criminal. It's it's done like that. You see us how you want us to see us. So this email goes out to the world. The 3G source code is released to the world. It cuts back to the CEO of the company that he works at. The CEO sees this. He looks out the window wistfully yeah. with this kind of like faraway look in his eye and says the line, quote, looks like you've become the badass I once hoped to be. <laughs> it's like a 60-year-old man. He's the CEO of the company. Oh, but again, Kaba uh, is able to blend in anywhere, so he kind of secretly subterfuges, plants bombs around. Tyson, the oh, Tyson and Michael are dressed like mili- like high yes. ranking military yeah. men in their in their dress blues. They're walking through. They have briefcases. They're walking through this hotel ballroom, and they're planting bombs. They're the, doing it in the most suspicious look. They're looking around before they reach under tables and start breaking up clay things to stick <laughs> under tables. Fucking crazy! It's like oh, because they're dressed as military men. All good. Yeah, no one's going to look at Tyson twice. No one's going to look at the military man with half his face (laughs) tattooed. So there's about 30 people at this grand announcement. Yeah, so this meeting starts, and the guy gets up, and it's the guy who had previously offered him a job, I think? Yeah, maybe. And he says, quote, welcome to the reception. At which point I was like, what is, where are they? What is happening? I have no idea what, but he makes a big speech where he just... Basically jizzes all over the Chinese salesman yeah. and is just like, he's extraordinary, he's amazing, what an astounding young man. And the man at the podium announces that the winner of the 3 billion euro LK group project is DH Communications. <laughs> what is the 3 billion? What is it? What is it? I, w- I was like, this was a competition? Because this is not the same thing they were going after earlier. No. This is not trying to get a telecommunications contract in the developing African nation. This is the 3 billion euro LK Group project that the China salesman has essentially single-handedly won. For DH Communications. If you want to get a gist of this scene, think of the conference room scene in Birdemic and then half as cogent. <laughs> That's what this is. Yin Jin and Susanna make their entrance. Yeah. The crowd audibly gasps like, when he arrives. Oh, oh, wow. And he is introduced as the great China salesman. <laughs> like, you can't even learn his name. You just gave him 3 billion euros. 
Uh, but anyway, uh, Kaba comes out. He exposes the evil French guy, which he kind of really doesn't. What he essentially does is tie him up, put a camera on him. He goes out to the meeting. He sets off some of those explosions. Yeah, so he, he takes over this conference. Takes over the conference. He, he rigged the explosions so there were small explosions under the table just to get their attention, I guess. I guess, yeah. Just going to hurt atten- somebody. Just an attention-getting explosion. Yeah. He, start, he shows a live feed of Michael, who is tied up in the back and is basically saying... he's got it, Michael's tied up in the back with a bomb strapped around his neck saying, please don't murder me. <laughs> yeah, like, please. Like, we were in this together. Yeah. Like, what happened? This is the way he's conveying to the guy. <laughs> That this is a guilty man, then sets the charge off and blows his head off in front of everyone. On a live feed, this fucking conference turned into witnessing- A murder. Yeah, a murder. A decapitation. Yes. A live snuff film. Of the CEO of the world's biggest telecoms company. And Kaba says yes. Kaba delivers a message of peace. Tyson goes for it. Right after- Blowing off a man's head, yes. Then sticks a gun to his own head, says "time for peace," and shoots himself in the head. A very graphic uh, suicide like, shot. Close up of the shot as the China salesman is trying to talk him out of it, trying to, but Kaba shoots himself in the head and dies. Whew. Yeah, again, China coming off very soft on warlords. And female genital mutilators. Also, yeah. their telecoms fucking sucks. <laughs> um, so this starts a lot of crescendoing music and a lot of slow-mo as the China salesman is kind of dazed and walking out. Dozens of cops are just milling around, not clearing a room full of bombs. Right. Um, the, they, <laughs> the Tunisian police, who I guess that's the Tunisian police department. Arrest. As he walks out the door, suddenly the Tunisian police show up with an arrest warrant. Yeah. And he gets arrested. For drinking goat's milk? For drinking too much goat's milk. And finally, as, the, as they see the arrest warrant is put up in his face that says, you know, Yan John arrested. Uh, Suzanne comes up and takes his arm, and there's sort of a sort of slow-mo crane shot as they kind of gaze into an uncertain future together, the east and west, arm in arm. But just shown what they're gazing at, because they, they turn, they, go, they do a behind shot, yeah, and they show. And which it's appears like, to be the Mediterranean. It's so a computer I, screen shot. I guess it is Tunisia? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> it's so CGI buildings with fake birds flying over a blue water background. So they just take arm and, and the the camera sort of cranes up and you see the birds flying and that's the end of the movie. However, a scroll pops up to kind of explain what happened afterward. This scroll, which goes over like three screens, it, it spends about two seconds on each screen. Yep. I had to go back and pause it really because it's a super long paragraph. But it basically says that Yan John was arrested for releasing the source code by the Tunisian police. I, I don't know why, <laughs> but he was freed without charges. He turned down a promotion to stay in Africa and keep developing their uh, telecoms. DH won their intellectual property lawsuit against MTM and became a gigantic global telecoms company. Happy ending. Happy ending. And the Chinese now rule us all with an iron fist. Wow. What the fuck? This movie, are we ugh. we can't do it justice how insane and how No, it isn't. So while interconnected I mean, just bits of nothing it we is. We can get how insane the story is and we can get how insane the characters are and how insane that is. But imagine all of this stuff happening while there's just inexplicable cuts happening, inexplicable camera moves, and you none of this is actually explained. You have to kind of figure it out yeah. while you're going along. Yeah. It's a gigantic mess. It's completely bonkers. I loved every second of it. I, yeah, I did not have a bad time. No, I had a blast with it. Thank you, David Paul, for watching this with me. 
Any final thoughts on China Salesman before we wrap it up and give our ratings? While I watched this, all I could think was Mike Tyson unified the heavyweight belts, lineal champ, uh-huh. the man who beat the man at 20 years of age. Yeah. And that's all I could think of while I was watching yeah. this. It's like, God, aging sucks. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. I mean, Steven Seagal is just... Oh, my God, Ooh. Steven Seagal. He's barely in this movie, and even when he's in this movie, he's barely in this movie. Yeah, I mean, it is it is embarrassing on another level. But like I said, what's so crazy about this movie is like, that should be the most insane thing, is it, that it's Steven Seagal and Mike Tyson making a Chinese propaganda movie, and that's maybe third most One insane. thing I wanted to ask you, do you see a lot of Chinese movies? Uh, No. Not okay. really, no. Are they? I because I'm wondering, are they all like this? Are they all propaganda? Oh no, no. I I, I think I mean there's some some really good Chinese filmmakers out there. Sure, absolutely. But, okay. Uh, yeah, this one is definitely propaganda. Yes. So uh, let's give our ratings to the film. Uh, just to remind everyone, your run of the mill bad film is a dare. Your next level bad film is a double dare, and a movie we actually like is a reverse dare. Corky, rating for China Salesman. It's to me a double dare. Mm-hmm. It's just a sequence of scenes. Yeah. It's just dialogue, phonetically. Nobody knew what they were saying, and it wouldn't make sense anyway. Yeah. I, I love the thinking that it was chronologically shot. Yeah. That's fucking insane what? to me. <laughs> and they did it to coax that performance Every out of Mike Every single Tyson. scene that was inserted had to get shot on the <laughs> next day. All the cutaways. So when they're cutting between two scenes, it was like, that's a wrap. We got to go back to the shower scene. No, oh back to the God. desert. No. But it, it's one of those double dares where it's kind of like, Holy fucking shit! If you got some two hours to kill yeah. and you want to crack up with your buddies, watch this movie. Yeah, I was I was uh, t- talking to David Paul and I was saying like we have not done a movie anywhere like this. No, and I know there's not a lot of movies that are like this that you can find stateside. That I imagine that uh, certainly none that would star recognizable Western actors. Uh, yeah, double dare for me too. Um, like I said, it's it's next level bad. It's amazingly, astoundingly bad. And yet at the same time, if you are a connoisseur. Of the bad, yeah. I mean, this is one. This is a vintage that you really want to uh, get your palate on right now. I do wonder. I don't want to come across as saying like cultural differences are are instantly negative for me. Like there are some things that would be a Chinese cliche or yeah. something like that. So I I hesitate to yeah. come down critically negative on every aspect. But I cannot foresee even Chinese people dis went away from this movie. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's just not well put together. Yeah. Or even sub-averagely put together. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you could compare it to all the movies in the 80s that were about Russia or, or all of the movies in the 90s about the, or in the 2000s about the Middle East where it's all just one amorphous entity yeah. and there's no differences in nations and tribes and cultures or anything like that. You could compare it to that in a thematic sense, but in the sense of uh, competence in the filmmaking and acting and any level or any kind of entertainment value, it's not even comparable. Like, this is so clumsy and clunky and cluttered and all janky. It's like in the editing room. They just cut up every frame and then tossed them in the air, <laughs> picked up the pieces, and then just put them back together. And then just did voiceover over the entire thing. Exactly. I really I want you to understand that there are scenes where the man's mouth is not moving, but his dialogue is going. <laughs> it's fucking nuts. It's not done for artistic effect. <laughs> So that's all we have for you on this episode of Dare Daniel, but we'll be back next week after we recuperate and set our minds to review another one of your movie dares. Until then, send your most sadistic or altruistic, if you want, movie dares to us at daredaniel.com. And be sure to follow Dare Daniel Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
Like and rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. We won't judge. You can read more of my movie reviews in the Sacramento News and Review and at newsreview.com. Corky, where can people find more of your work? I'll be performing at some inexplained, vague African desert city Mm -hmm. that has a civil war happening. Sure. And I'll be in the back room of Seagal's. Will I be able to view it from the safety of my own tank? Yes, you will. We'll cut to you watching it from your tank several times, Daniel. (laughs) Excellent. So for Dare Daniel, I'm Daniel Barnes. Our producer is Johnny the Cobbler Flores. And I'm Corky McDonald saying DH1, DH1. We did it.